are finishing our series today for that we've done for the month of November called Echo Chamber. And uh, if you've been here, you know this has been all about uh, talking about and, and celebrating the faithfulness of God in our lives. And uh, in fact, an echo chamber, by definition, is an environment where participants encounter beliefs that reinforce their beliefs by communication. So what we're doing is we're reinforcing our beliefs about the fact that God is faithful through hearing about it this month. We did it through our Sunday morning sermons, uh, through video testimonies of our very own people here at New Hope, just testifying about God, how God has been faithful to them. And then, uh, as I said, today, we're actually gonna have a live testimony from Pastor Bone. I'm gonna have him come up in just a few minutes to share uh, the journey that he's been on lately and how God has shown himself faithful to him. It's incredible. And if you, uh, if you haven't heard it yet, you're in for a, a treat today. So, uh, but with that, I wanna jump right into my text verse this morning. And get started, uh, I'm gonna have you stand with me if you would please, as we like to do here, just in honor of reading God's word together. I got a short text today, it's out of Zephaniah, a very short book in your Old Testament, uh, just three chapters in it. Zephaniah was a, a prophet of Israel uh, back in the time of King uh, Manasseh. And uh, this verse in, in chapter three, verse 17 is a beautiful verse. It says, the Lord your God is with you, he is mighty to save. Can anyone say amen? He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Praise God. Title of my message today is simply Mighty to Save. Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we love you today. We thank you for your faithfulness. God, we thank you for your manifest presence in this place today. And God, we ask that you would show up in our lives, that you would transform us, that you would make us more like you. God, that you would set us free where we need to be free. God, that you would save those that are far from you. And Father God, that you would do a mighty work in our hearts. Let our hearts be good soil this morning to receive the seed that is sown to produce fruit in our life for your glory and for our good. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. amen. God bless you. You can be seated. So I'm not gonna take a long time because I wanna give Pastor Bowen plenty of time as he comes up. Uh, but I do wanna to talk to you about God being mighty to save. It's interesting because we sang that song where it says that he is mighty to save. And I told first service, you know, Josh and I didn't have any time to get together this week to even talk about, he didn't even know what I was preaching on today, really. And uh, yet we see God's obviously wanting to show you and remind you today that he is mighty in your life. And uh, you know, we've been talking about how God is faithful all month, been declaring it, we've been showing uh, evidence of it, confirmation of it, uh, we showed you scripture. As I said, we had video, we had testimonies of our people that have experienced God's faithfulness in their life. And we, we know and we believe and we understand that God is faithful. And one of the biggest reasons that he is always faithful all the time is because of the fact that he is also all powerful. The fact that he is mighty. Uh, he's not just mighty in the sense that he's got some strength. He's almighty God. He is completely powerful and there is nothing above him. There's nothing beside him. There's nothing that can even compare to him in this world, on this planet, or even in this universe. And it's really important that we know that, that his power is so great that nothing can stand in his way. He has no rival, amen? No rival. People like to say, oh, you know, Satan and God, they're the opposites. No, they're not. Satan is not a rival to God. That's like an elephant trying to fight with a gnat. Okay? There's no competition, it cannot be done. God has no rival, there's nobody even close to him. He is almighty God. And it's, it's important that we understand this because the fact that he is 
almighty is what helps him or allows him to be faithful all the time. Because you know, faithfulness can only go as far as our ability will take it, okay? So for instance, if I, I, I wanna be faithful, okay? And let's say one of you calls me and you say, hey, I got a gun safe in my, in my closet, I need you to move it for me. You can't do it for whatever reason, I'm the only person around that can do it. I don't know why that is, but in this scenario, that's the case. And uh, so I go over to your house and I say, yeah, I'll, I'll move this thing for you. But I didn't bring anybody with me. I brought no tools, I brought no dollies, nothing. No matter how much I want to be faithful to what I said I would do, I can't do it because my strength isn't enough. I don't have enough strength in and of myself to be completely faithful in that scenario. So to be fully faithful depends on being fully able. And none of us as humans are fully able. So none of us can be completely faithful in life to anybody. We can be faithful in the outward, we can be faithful in every way we know how, but there's no way any of us could ever say about another human being, that person is 100% faithful all the time in every way because it's not possible. Only God can be fully faithful in our life because he is the only one that is all powerful. And it's really great, it's a, it's a great reminder for us and it is so important that we remember that. I don't think this is news to most of us to, know, to hear that God is all powerful and that that's what makes him faithful, but it's still good for us to hear it, to know that uh, pr to be completely faithful, the prerequisite to that is to be all powerful. And uh, you know, the Bible's full of examples that show us, uh, talk to us about God's power, about the fact that he is God almighty, that there is none above him, none beside him, that there is no rival, there's nothing greater than him in all the universe. And so as I was preparing this this week, I actually got to be really encouraged because I just started looking up verses that that declare this and, and reiterate it and reinforce it. And I'm literally sitting at my desk and I'm just getting excited because I'm reading these and there's just something about it just stirs you up. Just starts, gets in your spirit and you start to remember who he is because just like all of us, we've all got issues we're dealing with in life. And how many of you know, the issues can oftentimes get, be bigger in our mind's eye than the goodness, the faithfulness and the power of our God. And so as I'm reading this, I'm getting really encouraged. And so I just, I picked just a few of them that I wanna share with you that that I think will encourage you as well today and uh, hopefully stir you up too. Uh, First Chronicles 29, 11 is a great one. It says, yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Praise God. What a powerful verse that just covers everything. The greatness is his, the power is his, the glory is his, the majesty, the splendor, everything in heaven and earth is his and he is over all of it. That, is, that encourages us, it should, to know that there's nothing in my life that he is not over. Nothing in my life beyond the realm of his influence, beyond the realm of his ability to get to it and be part of it. Uh, Hebrews 1.3 is another great one. It says the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. I love this verse. It's saying here, not only did God create it all, not only is he over it all, he is sustaining it all. It says he sustains all things by his powerful word. You know, this idea that God just created the universe, he created the earth and all the people on it and he spun the earth and he just sits back and watches to see what would happen. That's a fallacy. He sustains every bit of it 
The sun would not rise in the morning if it was not for God sustaining what he made. You wouldn't be able to breathe in your next breath if God was not sustaining you in your life. It's his power that sustains us in everything. And I love it in this verse because it says it's by his powerful word. Just the word of God is so powerful, it's beyond our comprehension. I know you know this, but Genesis 1 tells us that God spoke the earth, the universe into existence. It said, God said, let there be light, and there was light. It's not like the light had a chance to say, I'm not doing what God said. He said, do it, and it did it. God spoke things into existence just by his word. And then when Jesus came, he showed that that's legit because Jesus set people free from demons just with his words. He healed people from diseases and crippled and, and blind and deaf and dumb, all these things just with his words. He was even, when he was on the boat, the water in the sea had to obey him because of his words. Incredibly powerful, how powerful our God is. And then Colossians 1, 16 and 17, probably my favorite one. For by him all things were created. How many things? All things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible, invisible, thrones, powers, rulers, authorities, all things were created by him and for him which is interesting. It's not for you and me, it's for him. We're even created for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. Everything that's held together in this world is in him. It's because of him, it's by his power. It, he created it all. There's nothing he didn't create. I love it that it says that he even created power. Even the strength that he has, he created it. I mean, it's crazy. Like I said, you can't even get your brain around all of this because it's just so much majesty of who he is, so much power in our almighty God. And then I don't have this verse up there, but the Lord's prayer that Jesus, what he told us how to pray in Matthew 5, he ends with, uh, yours be the power and the glory forever. And listen, that's not a prayer he's saying to pray so that it will be God's. That's a declaration he's saying to make where we're actually agreeing with the truth. He's saying, you just need to agree with this, that his is the power forever. All the power is his, none of it is ours, and there's nothing above it. He doesn't say to pray this to make it so. He says, pray this because it is so. And anytime we get into agreement with God, that's a good thing. That's a really, really good thing in our life. And like I said, we know this. I'm not saying really probably anything that 95% of us didn't already know this morning. This is foundational. If you're, a, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a Christian, then you know that one of, the, one of the characteristics of God that you've been taught since you were in Sunday school was that he is almighty, that he is powerful, that there's nothing that God can't do. You look at the stories of the Old Testament where he's part of the Red Sea and, and where he, uh, he followed the, Israel, or the Israelites followed him as a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. I mean, all the stuff that God did, the 10 plagues he did in Egypt, we see that he is very, very powerful. So this isn't necessarily new. And really, it doesn't even matter how we feel because we know that it's true. But how many know sometimes our feelings can get in the way and cause us to question it or struggle with it? But I tell you this, it is wonderful when this power that I'm talking about today, this deutimous power, when it's evident, right? If you've, if you've been following Jesus for any length of time, you've had seasons in your life where it was evident, where you could see God's power. 
You could sense his power. You could feel it. You could touch it. You just knew his manifest power was in a situation, whether it was a, a physical healing, whether it was healing your heart, whether it was a, a, a financial miracle that he did for you, whatever it was, you experienced his power. And those are great moments. Those are great moments that it's very important that we remember those times. Because there's also times where we can't sense it, where we can't see it, where we can't even feel it, where it almost feels like God might be on a vacation, right? Or he's forgot about me. So much so that if you're like me, you've probably even gotten into situations and you've gone a length of time where you finally just asked God, what am I doing wrong? What am I doing, God? And maybe even gone another step and said, maybe God's not almighty. Maybe he can't come into this situation where you've questioned, you know, it's human nature when we get into difficult situations to doubt, to struggle, to question, to have those feelings that come up in our life that make us wonder what's really going on. And it is in those times that we have to remember his faithfulness. You know, my text verse out of Zephaniah, it's a great verse, but you know, I, I kind of took it out of context to give it to you because I wanted you to see, or I wanted to be able to tell you that this was a time in Israel's history where they were, they had rejected God. They were very evil at that time. And Zephaniah was a prophet, but he was probably not liked by the king because he wasn't giving feel good prophecies. He was speaking the truth. His name actually means hidden by God or God is hidden. And so what they, they speculate that he was probably living in hiding and giving his prophecies to other people to take to the king because if the king found him, he probably would've killed him. But it was also significant because it was a time in Israel's history where God was not very prevalent in those people because they had rejected him. Yet Zephaniah says, the Lord your God is with you. That was the beginning of my text verse. He's always with us, even when we can't sense it, even when we can't, feel it or touch it, or we don't see the manifested uh, evidence of it that we wanted in our life. He's with us. He's always there. He never leaves us, never forsakes us. He's the one that sticks closer than a brother. He's the one that carries us through those difficult times. He's always with us. And it's so important that we remember how he's been faithful in our life during those times, that we remember who, who he is and what he's done. We remember by our, the things we've experienced. When, we, when we've experienced those times where God was so, so amazing in a situation where we saw it to reminisce, to, to recount, to, to look at those situations in our life, or we, we remember by what we've read. You know, God's word is not just a leather, pretty leather book with a bunch of skinny, tiny tissue paper pages in it. It is living and active. It is powerful in our life. It does more it actually feeds the spirit and the soul when we take it in and read it. And it actually changes us. His word transforms us. So we think back to the times where you've read his word and you've just, something jumped off the pages at you and you're like, man, God is in this place. We remember his faithfulness. And even by the things we've heard, even by the, the testimonies we've heard other people give, that's why we did what we did this month. We want to encourage all of us that God is faithful and that he's, he might be, not be manifesting in your life in a way that you would want him to in this moment, but he is still doing it. He is still the God that does miracles. He's still the God that shows up. He's still the God that sets free. He's still the God that redeems. He restores, he forgives, his grace is sufficient. All those things, he's the same God as he was 
for you whenever that last was evident in your life. And we have to remember who he is. And you know, as we grow in our faith, we learn to understand that those times where it doesn't feel like it does at some other times, we, we grow to understand and even embrace the fact that God is sovereign, that he's sovereign and that I can trust him, right? We long for those emotionally impacting moments, but we still understand that he's sovereign. Now, I know we throw the word sovereign out a lot in church and some of you may not even really know what it means. Uh, it, it's a, it's, a, it's a, a word that has lots of meaning to it, but you can break it down very simply in layman's terms. It means that God is everywhere and he has total authority over everything. He's omnipresent, he's omnipotent, and he's omniscient. He's all those things, that there is nothing out of his jurisdiction. There's nothing out of the realm of his influence. There's nothing that could ever come up that would take him off guard. He is overall, he's created it all, it's all held together in him. There's nothing that he is not part of. Now. That doesn't mean that he controls every little thing. Like we're not like robots that have no will. We don't, that we don't make any decisions, that we're not doing anything except his bidding. It just means he has complete authority over all of it. That there's nothing that, that goes outside of who he is and what his influence is. That's what it means for him to be sovereign. In fact, Psalm 24, one is probably one of the simplest and best verses about the sovereignty of God. It says, the earth is the Lord's, and everything in it. That's really all you need to know. The earth and everything in it is his. The world and all its people belong to him. Nothing outside of the realm of his influence. Again, everywhere and total authority over everything. And some of us really need to remember that today. Some of us have neglected the idea that God is sovereign, that he's over it all. Maybe some things in your life or in the world have caused you to focus on the, the difficulties rather than who God is. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. There's, there's so many things for us now to, to be able to be anxious about. It's almost laughable, right? I mean, war in the Middle East, war in Ukraine, COVID fallout, political corruption, societal erosion. I mean, just so many things that we can be anxious about. And that's not even personal, like the things in our own life. You know, many of you have trauma, you have job situations, you have financial situations, you have marriage situations, divorce, you got kids that are not living as the way, the way that you would want them to live. There's so many things that can, that can be a vacuum for our anxiety and, and the worry that we would have in life. And we need to remember today that God is not taken off guard by any of it that he's over every bit of it, that he is sovereign, that there, he has complete authority. There's nothing outside of his authority in this world. And probably, to me, one of the best verses that explains the sovereignty of God, and it's one of my favorite verses, and it's probably a lot of yours too, because it's a very popular verse, but it's typically not used to talk about the sovereignty of God, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you how much it is about his sovereignty, and it's Romans 8:28. Many of you could say it without even looking. It says, and we know that in all things, how many things? All things, okay. God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. Now, do you see it? Do you see his sovereignty in that verse? 
Do you see his all-powerful nature in that verse? And that, that, uh, that there's nothing that he isn't over in this world? Probably can see it now, can't you? Let me break it down for you just real quick. It starts by saying, in all things God works. All things God works. There is nothing that goes on in your life that God is not working, nothing. In all things God works, there's no situation that he is not keenly aware of and where he is not actively involved. I don't know about you, but that gives me some peace. That gives me some comfort to know that no matter what it is, no matter how bad it may look in the moment, God is keenly aware of it and he's working in it. Because anything I'm going through, that word all covers that. And it does for you too. And then he goes on to say, for the good. So not only is he working in it, because he could be working for the bad if he wasn't a good God, but not only is he working in all those things, he's also working for the good. You know, we sang that song, you are good, you are good, oh, oh. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> you don't want me singing up here, I can tell you that. But it's, we, we sang about him being good. And it says here that he's working for the good. So. It's not just that he is good, which he is, he's also working for your good. And he has to be good to be able to work for your good. And it's very important that we understand this because for God to be all powerful, it is crucially important that he's also really good. Because anything or any being or any entity that's all powerful and not good, that would not be good for us. This story of our life would be completely different if God was not good. I mean, you, just can, you can just think of people that have been on the earth that have been uh, incredibly powerful. Obviously, nobody's been all powerful, but like some of the most powerful people that have lived on this earth that were not good and think about the wake of destruction that they left. Hitler is the first one that comes to mind, right? Six million Jews, six million dead because he was powerful and not good. Mussolini, Stalin, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Even back in the early church, Nero was very powerful and he was not good and he did not like Christians and they paid for it. They were put on poles and lit on fire to light up the Colosseum. I mean, when there's somebody that's that powerful and they're not good, it is bad news. Yet God says, I am good and I am working for your good, which should encourage us too. And then he goes on to say, according to his purpose. Now, this actually is my favorite part, which I know when we read this verse, oftentimes we can just kind of look past that part. I'm more focused on the thing about him working good in my life. That's what I, that's, you know, the, the me part of me really likes that part. But when you look at this verse and you think about the sovereignty of God and it says that he's working it out according to his purpose, that's actually the best news we could ever hear. Because as we say here all the time, God's first about his purpose He's about his glory first, before he is about yours, about your purpose. Your purpose falls in under his purpose. So if he's doing something and, and his purpose is primary, that's okay because it's for our good. So he is working for his purpose, so that's how you know it's gonna be done. In fact, Proverbs 19.21 tells us, many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Praise God. So if his purpose prevails, his purpose is in Romans 8, 28. It is to work out for the good in my situation. That's shouting grounds, church. 
I mean, that is good news to know that God is doing that and I can trust him in that. That's his sovereignty at work. That is his power at work in our life. You know, Jesus said in, uh, in John 14, he says, in this world, you will have trouble. I think it's John 14. He says, you will have trouble. But I'm so thankful he didn't stop there. I mean, he's, he's not saying it to scare us. He's saying it because it's a reality that we live in a fallen world. The world, everything was created perfect and then Adam and Eve came along and messed it all up in like five minutes, <laughs> which we would have all done that as well, probably. But ever since sin came into the world and was ushered in, we've lived in a fallen world. So Jesus is saying, hey, listen, in this world, you're gonna have trouble. But I love that he continues on and he says, but take heart. He says, be encouraged. Don't stay down in the dumps because of the trouble you're gonna have in this world. You don't have to stay there. You don't have to focus on that. You don't have to have your mind set on that and stay in anxiety and worry and depression because of that. He says, don't lose heart because I have overcome the world. He overcame all of those things. The fact that Jesus overcame it is what gives us hope. It shows us that he is all powerful, that the world is kind of a tough place, but it's not too big for Jesus. It's not even close to too big. In fact, you know, God holds it in the palm of his hand. So there's nothing too difficult for him. So he has overcome it and there's nothing out of his reach in our life. Be encouraged in that today, church. What that means to me is that God has the last say in your situation. He has the last say every time. Every single time, he's got the last say. There might be medical diagnosis, there might be bills in the mail, there might be all kinds of destruction around you, but God has the last say. Because nothing is beyond him, nothing is without him, he holds it all together, he is overall, his, 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 his uh, kingdom is over all of it. And we can trust him in that. So as promised, I'm gonna ask Pastor Bowen to come up and, and share his story because he is living proof that God gets the last say. And uh, some of you I need to introduce him to you because you may not even know him or know who he is. Uh, he was the, the pastor of this church for uh, just a couple years, um, <laughs> 45 to be exact. A uh, long, long, long time that he pastored this church. Started down on Crawford Avenue when he was here and. And the church has actually been around since 1914, I think, pastor, is that right? Yeah, so been around a while. And uh, 45 years he pastored the church. I had the honor of serving under him on staff here for about eight years. Uh, and then he, he retired from leading the church back in 2020, but he is still very active and allowing the Lord to use him mightily uh, in his life. So um, I'm gonna ask him to come up and he's gonna share his testimony. Make him welcome as he comes today. Gracious, Bulldogs must have won. <laughs> Thank you so much. You're so kind, and I am honored beyond words uh, for your kindness. And uh, so good to see all of you here today. We had several visitors from the at the nine o'clock service too from 
people I hadn't seen in years, and there's a lot of you here tonight, today that I haven't seen in a long, long time, and uh, I'm just honored that you'd show up, and, uh, and all you regular folks who were here last week, I'm glad to see you. It's an honor to see all of you. Thank the Lord. Uh, I, don't know, I don't know who may have come the farthest to get here today, but uh, I know one lady back here came all the way from Peru. Uh, that's, that's pretty good ways right there. Uh, we're, we're glad to have uh, all of our family. I call them our family. It's Faye's family, but uh, since I married Faye, I claim all of the Amersons as well. And uh, got a whole row of them back there. And uh, many of you prayed. We got a miracle baby back there. Many of you prayed for little Caroline when she was in NICU and uh, uh, fighting for her life. And we just, she's just doing great. Uh, stand up, Lindsay, and let's see that baby back there, or whoever's holding her. There you go. Give God praise for that. Amen. Thank the Lord. Uh, glad for Ginger and Walter and and uh, all of the family back there. And uh, the lady from Peru is Lucio's mom. And uh, so, so nice to see you again. God bless you. Great, great to be in the house of the Lord. Great, great day. God's doing some good things. And uh, it's going to get better. We're getting close to the coming of the Lord. Amen. We're going to see him. And uh, he's coming with a shout. And uh, I'm, I'm going to be shouting when he comes as well. I can hardly wait to see him. I want to thank you, Pastor Reagan, for giving me the opportunity to uh, share. And uh, I'll try to remember something about time. I forgot in the early service to even look at the clock. And uh, you know what it means when a pastor looks at a clock, don't you? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> it, it, just, it just means he knows what time it is right then. And as soon as he turns his head, he'll forget what time it is. And, uh, and, uh, but I, I'm going to try not to over, over tire you here today. But I, I do want to give God all the praise and the honor and the glory. And I do want to thank all of you who prayed for me. I know many of you were praying for, for us on a daily basis, and we really appreciate that. Brad was keeping everybody updated daily on Facebook and uh, using social media to, to people were praying for us from around the world. And uh, I thank the Lord for that. I actually died twice, and I'll share that with you in a few minutes. But uh, one time I was out for a long time. But uh, the Lord was there, and He's brought me to today. And uh, I have this opportunity to give Him the praise and the honor and the glory for everything. And I thank the Lord for it. And uh, Faye was planning to be here today, and uh, pray for her when you think about it. She's having some problems with AFib, and her heart rate started dropping last night down to about 42 and then shooting back up to 85, and it's just worn her out, and uh, she wasn't able to be here. So we got to get her healed and on the, on the way as well. Um, I'm going to jump right in here to tell you uh, the story of what happened to me. I've, you, you, most of you that have known me for a long time know that uh, physical problems is not anything new to me. I fought a physical battle all my life for my health, and God has always been faithful and good to me and taken care of me. I've had 15 major operations, and the Lord all brought me through all of them. I just... Uh, uh, I'm used to going in a hospital, having surgery, and being back on my feet and going again in about two weeks. I, 
I'm, I'm the springback kid. Uh, but uh, it didn't happen this way the last time. On uh, May the 5th of 2021, I went in the hospital for, uh, actually I went in a day or two before that, but the surgery was scheduled for that day. I went in for open heart surgery. It was supposed to be a routine surgery. It was serious, but it wasn't anything that was uh, out of the ordinary. They do them every day. They were going to replace my mitral valve. They said my mitral valve had gone bad, and uh, I didn't know anything was wrong with it. The doctors had always told me all of my life, they said, one thing about you, you've got a good, strong heart, buddy. Uh, you don't have to worry about that. And so I never did until uh, I got where I couldn't walk across the floor without giving completely out of breath and have to sit down and and fight for breath for a little while. So I knew something was wrong. That was a pretty good uh, clue right there. And uh, so I, I went to the doctor and uh, then we did our research. We did our due diligence. I wanted to make sure that uh, I had the best doctor that was available. And uh, we debated between uh, having it done here or going to Emory in Atlanta. And we finally chose here. They told me I had the best surgeon for that particular kind of surgery uh, of anybody this side of Emory. And uh, so I felt very comfortable about it. And we, of course, would be, uh, being at home is a lot better than trying to uh, get back and forth to Atlanta. So uh, went in the hospital, uh, had the surgery. Everything went fine. My doctor did a great job. However, when he got in there, he discovered that not only did I have a mitral, uh, mitral valve that was bad, and he replaced that. <laughs> By the way, if you hear me snorting or anything, they put a pig valve in there. So... Uh, um, uh, <laughs> uh, but then while he was in there, he discovered that uh, I had a, a little problem with my tri uh, tricuspid, so he had to repair that. And then they discovered, of all things, I had some heart deformity, so he had to work with that a little bit. But uh, got the surgery done, got me back uh, to the room, and everything was supposed to go well, and I was supposed to be out again in a few weeks and uh, home and doing fine. And uh, then suddenly I went into carcinogenic shock and my heart just would not beat the right way. It was trying to force the bud backwards instead of the way it was supposed to. The valve wasn't working right. And uh, so we were fighting that issue, trying to get my heart to beat right. It, it wouldn't be, get it, to try, get it to try to beat the right way, then it would just quit beating. And so then they fighting to get it to beat at all. And um, so they did everything they knew to do. They put, uh, they gave, they put me on a, on a heart pump. I had that. Uh, I was on a ventilator, and uh, I was on oxygen, of course. And uh, uh, then they started the uh, pressure drugs. I, I don't remember the uh, proper medical name for it. Some of you medical people could probably uh, tell me that, but. Uh, uh, we just refer to them as pressor drugs. What it does, it presses all the blood. It pulls all the blood from all your extremities in your body to your heart, forcing, trying to force your heart to beat. Uh, the problem with that is that it leaves all your extremities very vulnerable. And uh, the doctors told my wife, especially after the second day, they said, well, you know, most people don't last more than two or three days on these things. And uh, we're having to keep going to try to, and I was on those pressor drugs for nine days. And uh, so they told my wife, they said, uh, you, you might as well get prepared for this because he will probably lose his feet and maybe his hands. Uh, maybe even lose a leg. They even mentioned that at one point. 
Um, but um, they said that he's definitely because the extremities have had no life in them now for nine days and they're dying, literally dying. And, uh, and, and so we, uh, uh, we're trying to prepare for uh, psychologically for all of that stuff. And, uh, and then, of course, you know, they, they, uh, when, when you're in bad shape like that and they're predicting all that stuff, all the social workers are coming around talking about, you know, do you all have a nursing home we can go to? Do we have this, you know, the kind of help and that kind of help? And uh, so it looked like I was uh, uh, finished as far as they were concerned. In fact, they didn't think I'd live. The nurses told my wife, they said, uh, you know, we, well, this was after I got better. They told my wife, they said, uh, uh, that when they give them pressor drugs like that, the next step's a graveyard. And uh, that's what they anticipated would happen to me. In fact, when I got back to Augusta, uh, I was in Greenville, South Carolina, at St. Francis Hospital for a long, long time. I was actually flat on my back in the hospital for three solid months. I went in May the 5th, and I got out August the 5th. So I was flat on my back for three months with uh, all kind of uh, apparatuses. I tell folks, I said, I think, I think they found some kind of object to put in every orifice of my body. They, they, they had a cut down in a trach here, and that, like I said, they had the ventilator and the, the heart pump going and all of that stuff. The oxygen, it, it did, did an NG tube uh, um, down my nose, and uh, I, I, I was just a mess for, uh, for all that time, three months. Now, here's the problem. When you're totally inactive for that long a period of time, your muscles start atrophying, and they just, they just go to nothing. And I lost weight. I lost uh, from 165 down to about 130. And um, uh, it, it just, um, my muscles just went away. And I, I had absolutely no strength for a long time. I've been working to get my strength back now ever since then. I'm getting almost back to it. I had, I had long periods of time after I, hospital. I was in a wheelchair for a long time. And then finally graduated to a a walker, and I was on a walker for a long time, and then I've graduated from that to a walking stick, and I was on that a good while, and finally I, I laid it all aside, and, uh, and by the grace of God, I am here today. Um, by the way, I didn't lose hands and arms and legs, but I did lose all the toes on my right foot and one toe on my left foot. Uh, how that one fella didn't make it and the rest of them did, I don't know, but... Uh, but I lost them all over here, so that's the reason I'm using a stool here, because when I stand for long periods of time, I lose my balance. So um, they, they let me sit down, and I feel more like Jesus when I'm sitting down anyway. He, he, he sat down and taught them the Beatitudes. Remember that? Uh, but anyway, um, the, the stay in the hospital uh, was... I stayed as long as they would let me stay. They, you know, the hospitals don't keep you but so long now, and they kick you out and say, live if you can. And uh, so they, they had a, a limit on it. I, I tell you where the limit is at the hospital in case you, 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 you think that I may have misstated that. Now, let me tell you where the limit is. When your money runs out. Um, anyway, that's enough. Uh, my... <laughs> My bill ran over a million dollars just for the hospital. That wasn't counting the Mercedes that I bought my doctor. Um, that, that, that was just the hospital. And um, anyway, when, when, the, when 
the insurance ran out for that particular program, they told me, they said, you, we're going to have to let you go, but you can't, you're not strong enough to go home, and there ain't no nursing homes going to take you like you are. So we've got to find a, a step-down hospital. We've got to find an intermediate between this and a regular hospital. In other words, it's not it's, it's a little bit better than a regular hospital, but it's, it's not quite what the intensive care would be yeah, or a cardiac uh, uh, department would be in the uh, um, cardiac hospital. So we've, we started the search, and uh, my doctor, Dr. Jerry Lambert, many of you may know him, uh, great, great doctor. I, I, I love him dearly and appreciate him. In fact, I don't go out of the country without Dr. Lambert. I went to India for a meeting several years ago. He went with me. Uh, well, I don't, I don't get out of this country without Dr. Lambert with me. <laughs> so he, he helped us in the search, and we found a, a place in Greenville, South Carolina, the St. Francis Hospital, and they moved me to there. They took me by ambulance to there. And uh, as soon as I got there, I hadn't been there but just a little while, they, they said, we got we to gotta put a feeding tube in you. You're going to starve to death if we don't get a feeding tube in you. So they cut me open here and stuck a feeding tube down my stomach. And uh, the, they didn't notice carefully enough. They, they had that feeding tube laying against a main artery in my stomach. And so within a few days, it rubbed a hole in that artery, and I bled out. I mean, I flatlined twice. Um, the second time, they couldn't get me back. They worked and worked and worked and did everything you can do to try to resuscitate a person. First time, they got me back pretty quick. But second time, they worked until they gave up. And they came out and told my wife, they said, uh, we're sorry. Uh, we, we just, we can't get him back. I had lost all the blood in my body. That blood was going out faster than they could pump it in. And uh, so I died, and uh, and uh, I, my, they talked with my wife a little while, and and uh, they said, "Is there anything we can do for you?" And she said, "Yes, uh, I'm going. Uh, if you'll just do this just for me to make me feel better, would you go back in there and try one more time, just just to make me feel better? I, I know you say there's no use. You've done all you can do, but it would make me feel so much better if you try just one more time." And so they went back in, and they came running right back out. And they said, Miss Bowen, we don't understand this, but his heart started beating on its own. And of course, and of course, I know who started it. I know who started it. The Lord started it. But during that time when I was out, I got to the finish line. Let me tell you, folks, I've been there. All of you are going to get there one of these days. It's appointed a man wants to die, and after that, the judgment. Let me tell you something. When you get to the finish line, Jesus is there. I saw him face to face. I came, I came, I, I, I sensed in my spirit, I didn't see it, but I sensed in my spirit that there was a line of demarcation between me and Jesus, and that if I stepped across that line, I would be in eternity as long as I was on this side of the line, I, I was here. But I, I knew if I stepped over, I would be there. And I wanted to step over. I was looking at him, focusing on his eyes, just looking at him. I, all I was waiting for, Brother Joel, was just a nod. If Jesus had just given me a nod, I would not be standing here this morning. I'd be shouting on the streets of glory. Uh, I, I, wanted, I wanted to be in his manifest presence forever. 
but more than anything, and here's what, if you miss everything else I say this morning, I want you to get this. The one consuming thought that I had as I stood face to face with Jesus, and, and forgive me, I don't mean to get emotional, but what I, when I think of his presence, I tell you, it, it, it does something here. But I, as I was standing face to face with Jesus, the only thought in my mind, and it was a consuming thought, my thought was, is he pleased? That's all that mattered. Is he pleased? I want to tell you something. When you get to the end of the road, you're not going to be thinking about what kind of house you live in, what kind of car you drive, what kind of stuff you got. This stuff doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. That's not what it's about. If he is pleased, it's okay. If he's not pleased, you're in trouble. And I just wanted to know, was he pleased? And so I, I, I stood there and stared at him and him at me. And finally, not a big smile, but just a bit of a smile came over his face. And when he did, I felt the most incredible peace that I've ever experienced in my life. I've never experienced anything like it. I, I can't put it in words. I've tried. I've tried to write it down. I've tried to hunt. I've looked through the dictionary. I've tried to find the words to express what that felt like. I don't believe it can be language. I believe it's beyond what we can uh, actually communicate here. There is a peace that passes all understanding, and it's in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you something else. If you're ready to meet him, there is no fear in death. There, he, he took the sting out of death. It's not there. Listen, folks, dying is no problem. Living's the challenge. Dying is easy. Easiest thing you ever did. And I promise you this, if you're ready to meet God, when that time comes, I have people that know the, I have people, I've had family members get concerned about somebody because they'll say, preacher, I don't know whether mama's ready to meet the Lord or not. She's afraid to die. I said, well, good. If she's afraid to die, that means it's not her time yet. He gives you the grace when you need it, not before. If you're afraid of death, that's okay. That's normal. That's natural. But when your time comes, when you get there, if you're ready to meet him, he will give you the grace and it will be total peace. You won't have to worry about it a bit. Praise the Lord. And I give him the praise, the honor, and the glory. And like I told you, if I'd have had my choice, I would be with him today. But for some reason, he chose to leave me here. And I'm, I'm just trying to find out whatever he wants me to do. And I, I just give him all the praise and all the honor and all the glory. But then after, after I had that experience with Jesus, I woke up in that bed with all that equipment attached to me and all that stuff all over me and uh, fighting and pain and all that goes with it and uh, trying to decipher why in the world am I still here. And the process of getting better started. And man, it's been a long, slow process, believe me. I couldn't do anything. I'd been, my, all of my muscles had atrophy. In fact, because of all the stuff they had in my throat, even my throat muscles, I had to learn to swallow again. I had a, I had a for months, I had a therapist teaching me how to swallow. 
it takes about 60 some muscles for we're all working together to get your body to properly swallow your food and get it down. Our bodies are fearfully and wonderfully made by our Heavenly Father. But when you lose all that muscle, I lost all of my muscles, everything you can think about. I had three therapists working different areas of my body constantly. When I got out of the hospital, I didn't have the strength to even lift my head off the pillow by myself. I couldn't do anything by myself. I had to learn everything. Like I said, I had to learn to swallow. I was, uh, I was in that, had that feeding tube for months and months and months uh, after I got out of the hospital. Faith had to feed me all my, my um, meds through that feeding tube and any, uh, any kind of nourishment I got had to come through that feeding tube. And, Man, it was a wonderful day when I finally got off of that feeding tube. And, and then I was on pureed food. It ain't no wonder babies reach for sorts on the table. I was on pureed food. I ate pureed food until it became puree with me. That's, that's, it's just, it's awful. Oh, I'm telling you, it's just awful. But I mean, I thank the Lord that I had it. it was, at least it was something. And, uh, but I was on it for a long, long time trying to learn to swallow. And that therapist of mine, she, it was like she never was going to let me swallow anything. Uh, the only thing she had put solid in my mouth was ice. And it would melt. And, uh, and, and so, you know, I, t- I, t- I t- told her, I said, one day I said, I, I would just about give my house for a whopper, you know. <laughs> I just, I got so hungry for real food. Uh, when I finally got where I could eat real food, though, it didn't take but a few bites to fill me up. I, I learned that in a hurry. But let me, let me get back to this. All, all of my muscles had atrophied, and I was, I was uh, trying. I, I couldn't even lift my hands at first. I started off just raising a finger. And by the way, I didn't allow my television set to be turned on for three solid months that I was in the hospital. I, didn't, I wouldn't let them turn my TV on. The only exception I made for that was uh, when Brad was staying with me on Sundays, um, the Braves were in the playoffs and, and he wanted to watch the Braves. And I'd, I'd let him watch that while I concentrated on something else. But that's the only time my TV was even on for three months. My nurses would come in and say, Mr. Bowen, don't you want me to turn TV on so you have something to entertain you? And, think, and I said, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm having a good time. I'm worshiping my Heavenly Father. And I just started praising the Lord. I started off when I couldn't lift anything but my fingers. But I'd lift my fingers and praise the Lord. And then I got where I could lift my hands and praise the Lord. And I just praise the Lord. I finally got where I could get my my forearms up and, and rest them on my elbows in my bed and I'd praise the Lord, just praise Him 24-7 when I was awake. I'd, I'd just praise the Lord. I'd praise Him for His goodness and His mercy and His grace. I'd thank Him for everything I could think of to thank Him for. Finally, I got where I could lift my hands all the way up and I'd hold my hands up and just praise the Lord. I'd hold them up as long as I could praise Him. Nurses, nurses come down the hall if, if my door was open where they could see in I'd be in there with my hands up and they'd come running in and say you need something Mr. Boy I said no 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 I'm just praising the Lord just praising the Lord just having a good time praising the Lord and I would praise the Lord and praise the Lord and praise you know why 
about 30 to 35 years ago, the Lord gave me the revelation of the power of praise, and I preached it to this congregation for many years. Many of you remember this. I've told you this is a principle. You can praise your way through anything. You can praise your way through anything. You give, you give God what He wants, and God will give you what you need. And God wants your praise, and I just praise the Lord and worship the Lord and, and, uh, and, uh, and just, just uh, thank the Lord. You know, when you check in the hospital, I, I don't know whether you've ever noticed or not, I'm sure it's in fine print. I haven't found it yet, but I know it's in there somewhere. When you're filling out all that stuff and you're signing your name to it, somewhere there, you, you may not know it, but somewhere there's a place where you've checked your dignity. You check that in. It's, it's gone. If you're really sick, they put you in a unit called intensive care. Any of you ever been there? You know what that is? You know what intensive care is? But <clears throat> they don't call it intensive care. You know what they call it at the hospital, don't you? They call it ICU. <laughs> and they do. They, they see you. They, they, they see you, all right. <laughs> Most embarrassing things in the world. I remember, I remember the first time I ever had a colonoscopy. I was at the old Trinity Hospital, and uh, I went in that morning, and, and they told me what to do, you know, go in this room, take all your clothes off, and put this little, they call it a gown, it's open in the back, and uh, and and uh, get in the bed there, and and the nurse will be in to prep you for surgery in just a minute. <laughs> and so, I got in the bed, and in walks the nurse, and it's one of our fine members here at New Hope <laughs> that uh, that I preach to every Sunday morning, and she she said. She said, oh, Pastor, I'm so sorry. I didn't know that, uh, she said, I didn't recognize your name. I don't, I go by Rich Bowen. That's my middle name. My first name is Isaac. So she didn't know it was me when she saw the name. And she came in and she said, oh, my goodness. Uh, she said, i tell you what I'll do, Pastor. If it'll make you more comfortable, I'll slip out and ask one of the other nurses if they'll trade patients with me. And uh, I said, uh, uh, she said, you might not be quite as embarrassed. And I said, uh, uh, it, it would be a lot better, easier on me on Sunday morning when I'm looking, <laughs> when I'm looking back at you. And, and so, so, uh, so she was kind enough to swap out with somebody else. And, uh, and uh, I didn't know whether to witness to her then or not. <laughs> I was afraid if she got saved, she'd be here next Sunday, you know. But uh, but uh, we we uh, after after a long long time of hospital stay, like I said, three months flat on my back. They moved me by ambulance back to Augusta, and I didn't have enough strength to lift my head. But they took me to Walton Rehab, and I was there as long as I could stay there. You know, back back to the insurance thing. I stayed there as long as they would have me and. Uh, fortunately, I met all the goals they had for me, and uh, but <laughs> that wasn't a whole lot. They were just teaching me how to be able to 
you know, they gave me a, one of those gripper things that's got a handle on to try to teach me how to put my socks on and, you know, get dressed and do a few things necessary for, uh, for your daily activities. And really, they were preparing me for the nursing home. And, um, uh, but anyway, I, I got through that, and they finally let me go home and thank the Lord. My wife and my family, my, both my sons were here during this, and uh, uh, they were helping out, and uh, we were able to get a hospital bed at the house and, and get everything situated where I could, could go home. And I had the best caretaker that there is. I had my wife, and uh, she, did, she did extraordinary duty in taking care of me, and I, I just, my hat's off to her. When I finally got to where I could maneuver myself enough to get to my prayer room, I was so thankful. And I was sitting in a chair, a, a recliner in my prayer room, just praising the Lord one morning. And I was looking back over everything that had happened over the last eight to 10 months at that time. And I was thanking the Lord, just going through a list of things that I was thanking Him for. And I said, Lord, I want to thank you. I said, it seems to me that at every step of the way, you gave me the best. You gave me the best doctors. You gave me the best nurses. I actually had people tell me, oh, I don't understand how you got this team. I don't know how did you get this nurse. She's the best there is. How did you get this one? And uh, I was just thanking the Lord for all of that. I said, Lord, you've been so good to me. And I, I said, Lord, I want to thank you for your favor. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me as clear as I've ever heard him. And he said, it's not favor. And I mean, it, it was that abrupt. It was almost like a rebuke. And so I just stopped. I said, well, Lord, if, it, if it's not favor, what, what is it? And the Lord said, <clears throat> You're reaping a harvest on the seeds that your wife sowed many years ago. And at the point that that happened, I was thanking the Lord for a particular nurse at St. Francis when I was flat on my back and couldn't do anything. And uh, every once in a while, my doctors experimenting would try to tweak my meds and they would change them. And when they did, it would upset my stomach something terrible. And I mean, I couldn't do anything. They literally had to clean me up like a baby. I was so embarrassed and so humiliated. And I, one particular day when I was having a horrible day, they'd messed with my meds and they had me all, all upset. And it, it, I, I counted four or five times. I think it was the seventh time the, that day that this nurse had come up and cleaned me up like a baby. And by that time, I had all this stuff out of my, and I was learning to, to talk. And I, I, I apologized to her. I said, lady, I am so sorry. I'm so embarrassed. I said, I, I just, I don't even know what to say. And she came around and she came to the head of the bed and looked me right in the eye, and she said, Mr. Bowen, let me tell you something. I came out of retirement to take care of people like you. She said, I come in on my shift, and I pull the charts, to, and I talk to the nurses, and I pick the patient 
that they don't want to have to deal with. And she said, I, those are the ones I take care of. And she said, I would wash your feet, but my feet were in such bad shape. My toes were self-amputating. They were totally black and they couldn't touch them with anything wet. She said, I would wash your feet. She said, I can't do that. But she said, I can clean you up. She said, I do this unto the Lord for his glory. God gave me that person. And I said, Lord, if it's not favor, what is it? And he reminded me way back years ago on Crawford Avenue when we had a bus ministry. We used to bring in little kids by the wazoo. I mean, we had three buses rolling, packed to the guild. We had literally hundreds of people, uh, children. And my wife started our children's church ministry on Crawford Avenue. And uh, we, had this, we had this one little boy. He'd come in on Sunday morning on that bus, and he would look, I mean, hard. His hair was all matted. His eyes were matted. He was just a mess, and his clothes were all crumbled and he, he, he looked so bad that other kids would make fun of him. And my wife would pull him aside and she'd take him downstairs and she'd wash his face and clean him up. Sometimes she'd get new clothes for him and, and just fix him up. And sometimes he, he had a colostomy and sometimes he'd get a little rambunctious with the other kids and he'd burst that colostomy and it was horrible mess. And, and uh, one, one day the kid had just got off the bus and his face saw what a mess he was and she pulled him aside and was, was helping wash him and clean him up. And Kathy Oliver walked in. Dr. Tom Oliver was her husband and Kathy was a good friend of ours. The, Tom and Kathy attended our church until they moved to Abbeville, South Carolina. And Kathy said she saw Faye cleaning that boy up and she said, Sister Bowen, what are you doing? You can't do that. You're the pastor's wife. And she said, so Faye said, why do you do this anyway? Why don't you delegate it to one of us? We can take care of that. And Faye said, Kathy, let me tell you why I do this. She said, if my boys were away from me where I couldn't help them and they needed help, I would hope that God would have somebody there that would take care of my boys. And then give him praise, yes. And then the Holy Spirit said to me, it wasn't her boys that needed help, it was her husband. And you're reaping the benefit of what your wife did years ago when she took care of all those kids. Praise God, praise God. I'm gonna do something I did in the first service if it's all right. I want all you men to stand. You know, ladies do a lot of things that they don't get any recognition for. We're gonna give them a little recognition right here. All the men, if you just stand. Ladies, you just remain seated. You know, men, we, we get our recognition. We, we make, you know, men get, they get recognized. You, you can see a truck driving down the street and, and they're, they're going to fix a pothole in the road. And they'll pull the truck over and get ready to do that. But before they'll do that, they'll put up a sign saying, men working. You know, we're we going to get our recognition. Yeah, they go. But, but the ladies do things that they never get recognized for. 
or never get appreciated for as much. I want you to help me give the ladies in this house the biggest hand that we can. Let's just, let's just bless them. Amen. And, and turn around and tell the ladies that are closest to you, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. We appreciate you. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Yes. God uses people in all kind of ways. And I want to say to you ladies, don't ever think that what you're doing is not recorded in heaven. Jesus said you'll never even give a cup of cold water and lose your reward. He'll see that you get rewarded for what you do. We bless you today. Well, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring this to a close, but I, I, I want to say this. I just kept praising, and I'm still doing that. I just keep praising the Lord, praising the Lord, and praising the Lord, and praising the Lord, and worshiping the Lord, praising the Lord, because I, I believe it with all my heart. You can praise your way through anything. And if you'll give God what He wants, God will give you what you need. Now, you may wonder why God would want anything. Pastor Reagan just did a beautiful job a while ago telling us about the sovereignty of God and how He is omnipotent. He can do anything, and He can. And that puzzled me for a long time, the fact that God wants worship. I asked the Lord one day, I said, God, how could you want for anything? You can speak universes into existence. How could you want for anything? And the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, turn to 1 John 4, 8, and then drop down to verse 16. You know what it says in those two verses? God is love. It doesn't say God has love. It says God is love. And then the Holy Spirit spoke this to me. He said, for love to be expressed, it must have an object. And that's what you and I are. We're the object of God's love. He loved us. But for love to be fulfilled, it must have a reciprocal. That's when we love Him back. That's what God desires because He is love. And He expresses His love to us. But He desires for us to express our love back to Him. Not because we have to, not because we're mandated to, but because we want to. That's what real love is. That's what real love is. Well, you, know, you, you, you can tell your wife to love you all you want to, but that don't make it happen. There has to be something more than that. And you wouldn't appreciate it if she did anyway, if she just did it because she had to. You appreciate it because she wants to. That's what fulfills love. And that's why the Lord loves, He loves your praise. He loves your praise. He loves your praise. You know, I learned a long time ago, I used to fight the devil, and I had a prayer partner because I found out way back in De Deuteronomy chapter 32 and 3 that one of you can put 1,000 to flight, but two of you can put 10,000 to flight. And I used to get my prayer partner, we'd, when I was a young preacher, we'd fight the devil. Man, we'd fight demons. We'd go after them, boy. We'd fight two of them. I said, praise God, I can put a thousand of them to flight. You, you and me together, we can put 10,000 to flight. But I found out something better than that when I got a little older. I found out that when you praise God, 
he will release angels to fight for you. And they can fight a lot better than you can. I, me and a prayer partner can put 10,000 to flight, but I read in Chronicles where one angel whipped 185,000. That's one angel. Amen. Jesus could have called 12 legions of angels. He could have called 72,000 and one could be, he could have, he could have cleared out the whole, the whole world if he'd have wanted to. So I, I found out, I just praise the Lord and let the angels do the fighting. Glory to God. I praise the Lord and let the Lord take care of every need. If I praise the Lord, he'll take care of my need. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Amen. And God helped me to praise my way out of the hospital bed and praise my way out of the wheelchair and praise my way off of the walker and praise my way off of the cane and praise my way to the pulpit this morning to give him praise. And you can praise the Lord. Stand with me, please. Praise God. Pastor Reagan, if you'll come. Y'all forgive me. I, 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 glory to God. Help me, well, brother. If, I can't quit. If, if we're going to go long, it's good when it's somebody, not me. So, uh, man, we are, we are so blessed to hear. I hope you've been encouraged today. I hope your faith has been stirred. I hope... Uh, I hope that the Lord ministered to you through Pastor Bowen this, this afternoon. I'm going to ask him to pray for all of us today. Just remember, God gets the final say. Whatever you're going through, he gets the final say. And he's worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our lives, no matter what we're going through. And it honors him and it blesses us when we dedicate ourselves into worshiping and living for him. So Pastor Bowen, would you pray for us, please? Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you. We come before your throne of mercy and grace with love and a heart of thanksgiving, giving you praise, worshiping and honoring you for who you are, for what you do, and for your eternal blessings in our lives. Lord, you see every need that's in this congregation, and you know every need that it represents beyond this congregation. And I pray that as we lift our voices in praise to you today, that these needs will be taken care of. Lord, I pray when people go home today that they will find that the Lord is working in their family situation, working in their job situation, working in whatever area of need they may have in their lives today for your glory. Go with us, keep your hand upon us. We honor you and praise you. And Lord, we look forward to the day when with a glorified body we can join the host of heaven and praise you forever in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise God. Yes.